And now, welcome to the Just the West podcast. Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. I'm your host, Just the West, and it is Monday, and I have on the line my fellow co-host, Camo. Camo, what up, though? Just the West, what up, though? It's been a a minute. Um, I'm glad that we're able to connect here now that we're kind of uh, in the final couple weeks to lead up to the Super Bowl. Are you excited? I am excited because... Yeah, uh, I, technically, I still have to cover this stuff. I mean, it's not it's not a mm-hmm. it's not a problem, but yeah, uh, we still have an NFC West representative. That is the Los Angeles Rams. For those that yeah. saw on uh, yeah, uh, saw on Saturday, the Rams defeated the Cowboys thirty to twenty two, and yeah, so they are going to go into the NFC Championship. They're going to play the New Orleans Saints. Did you watch, did you watch the, the Saints game? I watched all the games, Camo. I'm just the West. Yeah. Yes. That, I know, of course. But, I mean, I know your focus is, you know, West Coast team. But uh, I, I only saw part of the of the, the Rams game. But I did watch the majority of the Philadelphia-New Orleans game. And, I mean, I think everyone kind of thought that Philly had it, you know, scoring two touchdowns in the first, in the first quarter. Um, but, you know, Breeze. He has some magic left. I think he just turned forty, so I think it's going to be a good matchup between uh, the, you know, the old the old dog and the the young buck coming up um, against Jared Goff and the Rams next week. Interesting how you mentioned that game, though, because to your point, the Eagles were up fourteen to zero, and you know what was really important that really shifted the momentum of that game. Uh, yeah, they were supposed to punt. It was like what fourth in inches and mm-hmm. they did a fake punt they got the first down and they were able to get a score to make it 14-7 and thereafter I mean you, you just felt the momentum I mean the, the Eagles after those two touchdowns they um Nick Foles th- uh, threw a pick uh which would have given them the third score but after that it just that momentum was I mean you could just feel it you could just feel it in in the yeah. crowd it was it was crazy though right Crazy how things like that where it's like they it's almost like predictable. They're like, Oh, you know, they're, they're gonna get this fake punt, it's gonna it's gonna swing and it totally did. It's like it's it's after that, um, the Eagles could not get anything going. You know, the Saints, you know, being at home, they had that going in their in their momentum as well. So, uh, you know, I think that you know, is this is this gonna mean that they're gonna pull in to the game against the Rams with this extra sort of boost, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, where is the game being played next week? Yeah, so the game is going to be on Sunday, and it is going to be at the Big Easy. It's going to be at Nolens. It's going to be at the Dome because the ah. the Saints are the one seed, the Rams are the two seed. Gotcha. Yeah, man. But what what made that game really interesting, and you know, we can talk about it a little bit more for the Rams Saints matchup, but. You know, it was a twenty to fourteen victory, but it was like a very, very similar to the Rams. It was a dominating, at the trenches, run heavy game. I mean, Kamara, Ingram, they really imposed their will. They drained the clock, and actually, uh, I mean, I was, I was kind of holding my breath, but 
yeah, they missed a like what 53, 54 yard field goal, and then the Eagles were driving. They were only down six points. They were going, you know, potentially for the game winning touchdown, but they had a key drop mishap by Alshon, Alshon Jeffrey, and then they, they had the pick by Marshawn Lattimore. He saw that, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, um, I thought early on, I, I thought that the Eagles were playing well, you know. Um, early on when they had uh, your boy Matthews score that touchdown, Jordan Matthews, uh, yep. with the second go-around with the Eagles, yep. score touchdown early, and then there, that defensive back, I think last name's uh, Maddox or something, yep. uh, he got the dreads. He was balling out, like, I was like, oh, this, this game's going to be a blowout. But, yeah, like you said, New Orleans, and they, they were starting off a little slow to run game. Kamara didn't have much going on early um, until that until that fake punt kind of shifted things. Uh, it, it kind of, a side note on him, I'm, I, just, I just realized that he did not get selected to the Pro Bowl this year, which is pretty crazy to me. Yeah. Um, since, he, since he had, what, like 15 touchdowns, pretty much one per game. Yeah, no, he was a, he was an all. Yeah. I won't say all purpose back. Well, no, he was an all purpose back, both as a runner and a, as a receiver. He, he was great this year. Yeah. So, but anyway, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. But let's kind of let's focus a little bit on the uh, the games past weekend. And uh, like I said, I didn't catch the much of the Rams uh, Cowboys game, but I heard that it wasn't that great of a game uh, to begin with. Uh, what were your thoughts on on that game? Yeah, so, I mean, when I did my my game day post about this, I really had it centralized on, well, for one, the trenches, just because of Aaron Donald, that interior pass rush with uh, that Cowboys, uh, you know, they're centered, they're guarded, they were hurt, so I thought Aaron Donald was going to be in for a big day. He was, don't, don't get me wrong, um, but I was really intrigued about this whole quarterback matchup between Jared Goff and Dak Prescott's and how each respective quarterback would respond when they got pressure, just because Dak Prescott, the week earlier, he had a lot of pressure, but he had a lot of timely throws and runs with his legs at the same time, the squeak out that win over Seattle. Um, but really, I was, I was intrigued to see how Jared Goff would do on his you know encore performance in the postseason, just because last season, that offense only put up 10 points at home against the Falcons. And yeah, I mean... You know, they played the Cardinals, they played the Niners to end the season, but prior to that, Jared Goff was not looking good. He was getting hit. He looked, I won't say hurried, but you could tell he was not the same Jared Goff from the first 11 weeks of the season. And so I thought this would have been like the Jared Goff coming out game to see what he would do to respond, you know, on the big stage. Um, but interestingly enough, that the answer for the Rams was, was always there, actually. But I just never really saw it, but it was there. So after they lost to the Eagles and the Bears in weeks 14 and 15, respectively, they ended the season 16, you know, week 16 and 17 with the Niners and Cardinals by running the football and running the football and running the football. Todd Gurley was out, but they signed C.G. Anderson off the streets who had just gotten waived by the Panthers. He was with the Raiders. And so I thought that was like a whatever's pickup. Um, but they picked him up, and he, like the last two weeks of the season, he averaged like 120 rushing yards per game as the feature back when Todd Gurley was hurt. And, I, you know, I thought they just did that um, kind of out of necessity, maybe just to go through the games and, you know, be done with the season. But 
little did we know, I mean, that personality, that Sean McVay offense that we saw the first 11 weeks of the season, which was high-flying, a lot of play action, um, you know, just a lot of Jared Goff. Um, it was not that. It was a dominating run game performance by this, this Rams team, and both by Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson. Both of them had 100 yards rushing and a touchdown, respectively. They rushed they pounded the rock 43 times. They ran the ball 43 times for 273 yards and three that's touchdowns crazy. between them. I mean, that's that's insane just to think. And you could you could say, you know, the same thing about the Patriots where, you know, sometimes they'll be pass heavy, sometimes they'll be a run team. They're chameleons where they, you know, really evaluate the matchup from week in and week out. But I thought it was just amazing to see after losing those two games to the Eagles and the Bears, what they did with this offense to really get back on track and run the football and to set themselves up for play action, all the while keeping Jared Goff and the pocket clean. He barely got touched, actually. Uh, he had a clean jersey throughout the game. He didn't really have to make... Um, I mean, of course he made throws, don't get me wrong, but he didn't have to be the Jared Goff the first 11 weeks of the season. They didn't want him to be that. If anything, I mean, Jared Goff... Had no touchdowns. He was 15 for 28, 186 passing yards. And that's all he really needed to do. Um, just because they, in terms of time of possession and what they did when they had the football. Um, they had the football the majority of the time. They ran the ball. And because of that, the whole you know the whole Cowboys game plan was all fucked up. Because they were planning to do the same thing. They were planning to run the ball, run the ball, control the clock with Ezekiel Elliott and have play action with Dak Prescott. But because, I mean, for Christ's sake, because the Rams ran it 43 times, I mean, they didn't have a lot of opportunities to, to run the football like they would have liked. And so because of that, that's why you get 3-22. to 22. I mean, that is why that is why the, the Rams won this football game tonight. Not tonight, last night, Sunday sure. night, you know, for sure. Saturday night. Oops. Yeah, and I mean, honestly, kind of going back to your point about C.J. Anderson, when, when I saw that he was on there a couple weeks ago, I... I Literally had to Google it because I didn't think it was the same. I thought it was another random guy named last name Anderson um, because it's like, oh, it's the same guy, you know, played at Cal, had some good years over in Denver, um, and then had a cup of coffee with the Raiders, and then, oh, now he's on the Rams picking up, like, 130 yards per game. It's crazy. So, um, And then I, I heard a little bit about this. I don't know if you want to know more, know more about it, but something about the Rams – reading the defensive plays from the Cowboys, and that's why they were like, he was able to get C.J. Anderson so loose. Did you hear anything about that? A little bit. I mean, we'll never know, per se. Um, it's kind of like, yeah. Yeah. you know, a, a while ago when, you know, the Astros, you know, they said that the pitches were tipped. You remember that in the World Series with the Dodgers yeah, yeah, and yeah. all that? Yeah, we'll, we'll never know. Um, Maybe there's some validity to it, but nothing credible at, at this point. But what I can say is what I saw on the game footage, and that was the return of a run game, a dominant run game at that, the return of C.G. Anderson, tailback, thick boy, TB. I mean, honestly, uh, maybe it might have been the colors with the blue and yellow, but yeah, C.G. Anderson is a big boy. He is a big, big running back. Kind of like in that Mike Tolbert type of mold. Good for him. Good for him going from 
Broncos to the Panthers, gets waived, goes to the Raiders, gets waived. Right before the end of the season, Rams' Malcolm Brown goes on IR. Todd Gurley is hurt. He gets picked up, and he has, um, I mean, he's been everything more for this Rams team. Just a really good feel-good story for him. If the Rams, and not saying, well, I'll just say it. If the Rams win the Super Bowl or they get to the Super Bowl, I think a big part of their story is going to be, you know, who they found in the waivers, which is in C.J. Anderson. C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, they have really invigorated this offense. And this is kind of like the offense they wanted anyways, per se. 11 personnel, they run that 95% of the times. One running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. They like to pound the ball, uh, get their running backs in and featured early so they can set themselves up for play action. Set themselves up for play action and to keep Jared Goff clean. That is the keys to a very successful Sean McVay offense. And you saw, it, it was interesting to note too, I mean, it was... A true Sean McVay offense in the sense that, you know, it was the same type of 11 personnel most of the game, but you saw different wrinkles and formations out of that 11 formation. So, I mean, all in all, right now we go into the NFC Championship. It's going to be the Rams at the Saints. I'll talk about that more as we get closer to the date. The date is going to be on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday, January 20th. And on the AFC side, you have the Chiefs and you have the Patriots. Patriots at KC. The weather is once again going to be a little chilly. It's going to be frozen tundra type of vibes. So uh, what we see actually is 1-2 seed versus 1-2 seed, which is the top four teams in the NFL. You know, there were a lot of, myself included, I thought that the Colts would give the Chiefs uh, a good run for their money. I thought that the Chargers would give the Patriots a good run for their money. Technically, the Chargers have, I thought they had the better roster on paper, but uh, it came down to coaching. Now you look at this Cowboys team, narrowly, I won't say narrowly, but they lost by eight points to the Rams, and you saw once again what coaching really did. Uh, This was a well-executed game by the Rams, and it was a different wrinkle from what we saw earlier in the season, which kind of like the Patriots shows that they are very much capable of, you know, changing their their game style and attuning to the opponent that they have at hand. On the other side, you have a pretty veteran-led and Saints team that, I mean, their defense, their front seven, stout. They have just as much of a run game as the Rams, if not better, a better complement with Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And while they don't have, like, you know, three good receivers like the Rams do they have one really freaking good receiver in Michael Thomas out of Ohio State he had like 180 receiving yards this past week which is insane but yeah I'll be very intrigued to see how the championship weekend goes I think this will be very very exciting and it's ironic too because I mean last year for the championship games you saw a lot of defenses the top defenses made it this far into the playoffs and now you're seeing the top offenses the Chiefs the Patriots the Rams the Saints they all can score points in a hurry but I mean given hmm, 
Given it is championship season, it is the divisional championship, it is the conference championship, uh, I'll be very much intrigued to see how it really goes down to get into Super Bowl number 53, Super Bowl 53. Outside of the games that we have for Sunday, some interesting news in the NFL. I don't know if you guys have heard, but there was a certain baseball prospect by the name of Kyler Murray. Heisman winner from Oklahoma, quarterback. Yeah, so he was a top 10 pick with the Oakland Athletics. I know about him because I live in the Bay Area, and he was, you know, he promised, he said he was going to play baseball there after his junior year for the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, um, it's not NFC West related per se, but it could be. Why could it be? Because Kyler Murray has now declared for the NFL draft. He's going to forgo his, well, actually, I don't know all the nuances of a MLB contract, but from what I understand, he is forgoing uh, his, I guess, his contract, his eligibility with the Oakland A's after being selected in the top 10 uh, to go ahead and go into the NFL draft. He's going to now participate in the NFL Combine, and considering that the Niners, that the Cardinals are picking in the top 10, they're picking in the top 5. Very intriguing to see how this domino effect will go on the top 10 board. I mean, is Kyler Murray a top 10 draft pick? Is he a top 5 draft pick? Is he even in first round of consideration? Consider that he's like a 5'9", 5'10 quarterback. So, I mean, he's like Russell Wilson, Drew Brees stature. But won the Heisman. Um, from what I understand, he gave the Oakland A's an ultimatum of saying, hey, I would like a contract upwards of $15 million. If not, I will go ahead and go into the NFL draft and play some football. Kind of a good problem to have. If he does get selected in the first round in the NFL draft, that will be the first time in sports history where you have a dual-threat athlete selected in the first round for two professional sports MLB NFL I don't know I saw a couple of NFL mock drafts earlier after the news and you know from CBS Sports to ESPN I mean I saw I mean I saw Kyler Murray top 10 for some drafts Jaguars number seven I don't know but in the big scheme of things I mean the more quarterback prospects that you have in first-round consideration, the more it slides in your favor if you are the Cardinals, if you are the Niners in the NFC West. Because by theory, whether it's the Cardinals with Josh Rosen or whether it's the Niners with Jimmy Garoppolo, it's within the, the presumption that you no longer are looking for a quarterback. You have the answer, and therefore, if other teams in the top 10 do you choose to select a quarterback with that pick? That means you have a better draft selection with the non-quarterback players, the edge pass rushers, the tackles, the secondary play. I mean, from what I understand, it's supposed to be a very front seven oriented type of draft. So the Cardinals and the Niners, I mean, what if they got a really good trade offer to trade down with a quarterback needy team like the Jaguars or... The, the Bengals, I don't, I don't know. I mean, the Steelers, Antonio Brown. A couple things to consider, just putting it out there. But Kyler Murray 
is going to enter the NFL draft. A couple last words to note before I end this pod. Mentioned on the last pod that the Cardinals have found their new head coach in Cliff Kingsbury. Interesting hire. Defensive coordinator. So he's like 39 years old and he's a young head coach. So I was kind of expecting him to get a a veteran coordinator to help him, especially if I have a feeling that he's going to be very similar to Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay, where he's going to pretty much become the offensive coordinator slash head coach. And so the defensive coordinator position was going to be a very important hire. And from the Denver Broncos, former head coach, defensive specialist, Vance Joseph joins the staff for the Cardinals, which is very intriguing because, yeah, they play a 4-3 defense. Well, Vance Joseph did play a 4-3 defense when he was on the Broncos. So I'll be intrigued to see how the new rebuild comes with the Cardinals. Strong hire. Honestly, I do like the hire. All right. That wraps up the pod. KMO, thank you so much for your time. To my listeners, thank you so much for checking out the pod. For those that do not know... IG, Instagram, at Just the West. Twitter, at Just the West. And of course, my blog, www.justthewest.com. So, until next time, we out here. I will do another pod as we get closer to Sunday for the divisional. I always say divisional, I don't know why. The conference championship. Awesome. Conference championship this Sunday. Can't wait. I'll be back on later on this week. We out here. Peace.